To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 157. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to do what we do best, and that's discuss sports. We got the fellas in here, the entire team in here, and I'm going to check the temperature in the room, man. What's up, fellas? How y'all feeling? Exciting times as always, man. Ready to rock with y'all. Took a week off. Back at it. Ready to do it. Ready to rock. Keep ready to get the people what they need. Same here, man. Pretty good day. Pretty good week thus far. You know, I'm not going to hold it, man. Ain't much too much to say. I'm just ready to get into the sports talk. So, Hey, man, it's always a blessing to get back with the brothers and do what we do. You know what I mean? You know, fresh off a trip from home, you know, so I'm feeling very refreshed. Was able to go check out a Pelicans game down in New Orleans this past uh, week as well. So that was that was always fun. So now I'm back up here in, in the north somewhat, the northeast, and I'm ready to get back into my routine and record with you fellas. I appreciate y'all for bearing with me last week. That's the majority of the reason why we didn't record because I had took a quick trip home to Louisiana. But we back doing what we do, man. Make sure that you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, that's Opinionated Benchwarmers, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. We got an action-packed episode for you. We got a little NBA talk, second-half outlook. We got some... NFL talk, NFL combine talk, of course, and a couple of other topics we're going to touch in. We're going to get in and get out of there. But, fellas, I just want to first off start off in this fashion. This wasn't planned, but I want to give Los some credit here. And I'm very, very grateful because Raheem Morris, as you know, was the Los Angeles Rams defense coordinator, and now he's the head man in Atlanta. And I got some wonderful news that they have released uh they have released their tight end. What was his name? I forgot his name though. John U. Smith. They released John U. Smith. It's happening, fellas. I just want to get on my dynasty football high horse. I made a deal for Kyle Pitts this past season. And I must say that I'm I'm really, really liking what Raheem Raheem uh Morris is doing down there in the dirty soft lows, man. Yeah, for sure. I just want to circle back. Where where in that where I, was I getting credit? Like I just want to make that clear. Because you're a Rams fan. Okay. That was your defense coordinator. Okay. And, and apparently y'all got some smart y'all got some smart guys over there. Okay. Man. Okay. Okay. Yeah, All clear, right. Clearing away from my guy Kyle Pitts to do what we should have been done. You yeah. know what I mean? So uh I, I'll just the say stocks this. up and you know, I'm putting Kyle Pitts on the trade block. If you guys want, you better get him now. Cause I'm telling you what, he's gonna be worth a kitchen kitchen sink once week three roll around. 
No, for sure. No, I would just look at it in this situation when it comes to that move and for the dynasty owners going forward, they're, they're likely going to run 11 personnel. 11 personnel is a three wide receiver, one tight end set. And so that is a set that the Rams run historically. And so when you look at that from that standpoint, you're looking at Kyle Pitts getting 80 to 90% of the snaps. That is a one tight end system with the Rams bringing over Zach. I mean, I'm sorry, with the Falcons bringing over Zach Robinson. And you would think that he's going to run similar situations and things that the Rams ran. So it is a good move for Kyle Pitts. And I would be excited if I was a Kyle Pitts owner right now. So hopefully they can do right by him and get the ball. The first the first thing that everything and everybody is watching for the Falcons this year is what they're going to do with that quarterback position. Their owners came out and said, whether it's a young guy or a veteran, they're going to address the position. So that's one position that I'm watching um, going forward. Not that I like starting off my podcast as a Saints fan, talking about the Atlanta Falcons, but of course I'm benefiting from it. Um, I hope that they lose every game, but I hope Kyle Pitts has an offensive player type year. For my dynasty league, but let's jump into it, fellas. Of course, we're not going to start with the NFL. We're going to start with the NBA as we enter into the second half of the season. We already have Jokic doing very Jokic things down the stretch with these last twenty plus games uh, with a triple, hundred percent shooting, triple double uh, that was completed a couple nights ago. Um, I, I've gotten a chance to watch this guy and to sit down and really study him. Uh, we know that he plays for the Nuggets. I'm on the East Coast, so most games are coming on way past my bedtime. But I was able to take some time out and watch this guy. And, you know, by the way, I don't want to brush past that. That triple-double with shooting 100% off of 10 shots um, was the first of its kind in NBA history. But when you watch Jokic and his impact of the game, uh, his the third pass that he's making, the way that he starts to break – the way that he sees the game, the way that he slows the game down, the pace that he plays at, the angles that he take. He you watch this guy, man, and I, I I really I'm really starting to see why someone would label him as the best player in the league. Um, he's fun to watch when you when you're as a basketball fan, but I think now more than ever, we can clearly say that he is the MVP favorite. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but your thoughts on the MVP favorite going forward in the NBA. Yeah, I think it was pretty much set, you know, and I was looking at the odds the other day on the favorites and it's still pretty favorable right now. I think the only thing that will stop him from being the MVP would be an injury, you know, God forbid. But, you know, I it, it was pretty much set you know, where I started with my thought was when Joel and B went down this year. I think Joel and B had a, a strong hold on it, especially with that 70 point game he had this year and what he was doing numbers wise and for his team. Uh, but when he went down with his injury and with the NBA now having a rule set with if you miss X amount of games, I forget. I think you have to play around 65 games, something around there um, to be eligible for these awards. When they set that rule, it pretty much eliminated him. And then, you know, it was pretty much set up for our guy Joker to win this game. I mean, he's not our guy because I would love to see him lose. But um, but Joker is pretty much set what he does for his team night in and night out to win this game, to win that award. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree as well. I think that we're all kind of aligned with saying that, that you know, Jokic is the MVP favorite at this point. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to kind of beat a dead horse here by just kind of reiterating everything that he does for that team. But I think that there's, to me, still some other guys that you have to continue to throw into that race. 
Uh, to me, one of the guys that I look at is Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, as being someone that should be looked at as being firmly in that MVP race. You look at a guy that has his team right now as we speak, you know, second in the West. Um, you know, really, I think what maybe potentially even um, what are they maybe like one game out uh, from that overall? Uh, yeah. No, literally tied at the yeah, top. Yeah, tied. Yeah, yeah, tied at the top right now. And Shea Gilgis Alexander is putting up a season where he's averaging over thirty. Uh, six and five, and he's shooting almost 55%, you know, as a lead guard, which is insane efficiency right now. So um, if there were anybody else to consider, you know, I would throw him in that race. I think that even though his odds are a little bit further down, but looking at a guy potentially as a Jason Tatum of, a, you know, he's leading the team that has the best record in the NBA right now at this point, um, kind of the best player on best team is something that you consider. But with all of that being said, it's really just to try to find some guys to throw in the race with ultimately knowing that right now Jokic is the prohibitive favorite. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, and then you may have you may could throw in Lucas sliding down the line as well as what he's doing with, with Dallas right now. But um I think, yeah, it's like you guys say when Embiid got injured, it just opened the door up. I thought Embiid it was his award to lose. Uh, but unfortunately, injuries happen, and that knocks them out the race. And I, I don't expect Jokic to slow down <laughs> anytime soon. And the more I watch him as a Lakers fan, I, I'm not trying to see them uh, out the gate in the in the playoffs. Uh, they, they're just a, a very solid team there. Um, but as we look at the second half of the NBA, and uh, NBA All-Star game is out of the way, and as the saying goes, that the NBA and this competition, the sense of urgency – uh, picks up. Um, I, I think the implement, implementation of the in-season tournament and teams trying to avoid having to participate in that to get some extra rest. Uh, going into the playoffs, you're really seeing some uh, intense basketball uh, at this point. Um, and I mean, we'll start no further than the Lakers fan as all of us, all three of us sit here as Lakers fans. And um, we, by design, we haven't been talking about the Lakers all season. Um, we've been talking about them here and there. Um, but we're locked in as ever. Uh, but, you know, guys, right now, um, when I'm looking at how we've started out of the gate, uh, I'm not really too happy with what I'm seeing so far. Partially, partially is it coaching? Another part, portion of it is injuries. Uh, you know, it's just it just hasn't been a good start for us. I mean, I felt the Spurs, that win would have got us on track. But then we lose a, a game to Phoenix when we just got our butts kicked on the rebound, on the boards, just – no effort at all. Um, at this point, I don't know what else to say about our Lakers, but uh, I, I just say I, I do have hope. But you know, my hope is it's kind of dwindling down when I'm looking at the effort and, and I'm looking at the field. You know, I'm looking at the Clippers. I'm looking at the Nuggets, like we mentioned. I'm looking at the Thunder. I'm looking at all of these teams that are uh, just seem to be getting in their rhythm. And we seem to take one step forward and two steps back. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it, the injuries. When you look at the team as a whole, you just realize how important the guys that have missed time and continue to miss time have been for this team. Um, especially guys like Vandy, right? You look at Vandy, you look at um, Gabe Vincent, you look at all these defensive guys, these scrappy guys that we need, these three and D guys, right, that we need have this time, Max Christie, you know, and even coming out of the weirdest thing, coming out of the break, how do you get un more 
or less healthier at coming out of the break. It's just been a weird year. And it's, it just feel like this team just can't catch a rhythm at all. Just every time we get healthy, get going, somebody goes down with an injury. And it's just, again, I'll just have to give respect to the young teams in the West too as well. These teams that are they're coming on, there's no easy games. And I think we have like the fifth, sixth hardest remaining schedule. And I say us, I mean the Lakers. Um, it's just, a, like I said, a weird year. And these young teams are playing well, whether it's Sacramento, whether it's OKC, these teams that normally are towards the bottom where you can get an easy win here and there. Even teams like Utah, right? Utah is playing well. And that's no longer an easy win. Um, and teams like Houston, right? That's another good team that, yes, they're not, they're right there competing, trying to get into that play-in picture as well. But same time, these teams are playing well. They have good veterans on their team. And you have to bring it every night. There's no nights off, you know. And like I said, this previous game against the Suns, you can't lack of rebounding, these different things that's going on. You just can't take a night off when you're playing these good teams night in and night out. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that y'all alluded to is just inconsistency as it relates to the Lakers. Like, you literally don't know what team you're going to get each night. You literally, as the Lakers, could have a team that beats the Celtics uh, without AD and Braun, uh, then you wouldn't be surprised if on another given night they lose to the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, you don't know. You can have a team that's, that's stacking up and, and beating the contenders, and then they could be losing to teams that's going to be sitting at the top of the lottery. And so... You know, honestly, as it relates to the Lakers, you know, you're going to ultimately the team's going to find itself in the play in uh, as it relates to this season. Now, what I will say is ultimately to me at this point, being in the play in may not be as bad as it's potentially been in years past, uh, just because still ultimately I know Minnesota's playing great basketball. You know, I know OKC is playing great basketball, but we still understand that playoff basketball is still different. And um, I know that Minnesota, you know, they made it last year. But those two teams, to me, haven't proven anything in that aspect yet. So if the Lakers can slide their way into a seventh or eighth seed and potentially see one of those teams in the first round, then you could have a situation that maybe the Lakers kind of get on a little bit of a roll like they did last year in the playoffs with upsetting um, Memphis, you know, before seeing Golden State and beating them and getting to the Western Conference Finals. So, Main thing, as y'all talked about, is the team, first of all, getting healthy. And then the second piece is what are you going to get from a consistency standpoint? Are you going to get the team that can compete with the, the top in the West and the top in the league? Or are you going to get the team that will be inconsistent and will give up losses, you know, to teams like Memphis or worse? Yeah, I mean, we're currently sitting at the ninth seed. Uh, uh, we're sitting three games back from Dallas, sitting at that eighth. Uh we're aiming for that six seed and um, who I see standing in the way there is the Kings. Uh, I think that they're always a tough team. I don't expect New Orleans to stay at that six seed. Uh, like us, they have an injury problems with B.I. Um, Zion Williamson, I just saw him play. You know, he he takes nights off. Um, it, it You know, I think the six seed is for the grabbing with all that being said. We're 31 and 28 above 500. Uh, but, you know, like you said, you know, the consistency of what we've all said is that kind of just having getting healthy and getting into that rhythm. That's the importance of it. And Coach Ham, you know, I, I'm still not really too sold on him. Uh, we joke about it all the time about adjustments being made. There are none being made. 
um, getting his guys ready to play. Uh, we needed that game against Phoenix um, the other night. And, you know, like we giving up offensive rebounds left and right. Uh, you know, um, just, you know, we only have, uh, you know, in that particular, that particular night we're facing a bigger team and, you know, I didn't see any rotations that benefited us that, that he would implement and take advantage of. So, uh, a little bit of that as well, but you know, like like you guys, then you got the Golden State Warriors, who, you know, they they're they're kind of they they did lose the other night, but they are surging uh, prior to that. So I mean, we the West is a gauntlet, though. The West is tough, like it is every year. Yeah, and and ultimately, I I still think in looking at it, you know, just calling it right now, both of those teams will be in the play in, in my opinion. I think that the Lakers and Golden State will be in the play in, like. Like you said, I mean, it's going to hold firm that the Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers, Suns, that's going to be your top five seeds. Um, and like you were alluding to, I think it comes down to really the Kings and the Mavericks for that sixth seed. You know, it would be great to try to be optimistic and hope that the Lakers get there, but I'm not seeing it for the Lakers or Golden State at this point. I think that both of those teams will firmly be planted in that play-in. It is obtainable, though. It is obtainable. Um, but uh, like you said, I mean, it, you know, it all comes down to uh, it all comes down to how the Kings and, and Dallas, like you said, are two good teams that, that are emerging. But um, so, guys, what are we doing, man? Lakers and we see the Lakers in the conference finals this season. Let's do it. No. Yeah, gosh, man, it's so hard as a Lakers fan to say no, man. It's so hard as a Lakers fan to say no. I know. Uh, but if I had to call it today, I would say no. Yeah, I, I'd say I would say no uh, to, uh, um, you know. But on the flip side, not you know, we'll wrap up this segment with the Lakers. We do have some good things coming up. We we do have we'll have two more first round picks to trade. Um, you know, con when you look at contracts around the league contracts are a year older so obviously they're going to be uh teams that are, are going to look to depart away uh so all that being said there's a big opportunity for us to make a huge trade um this summer to to add on to the talent of this team but for this year i, I i'm not feeling good about it i'm not feeling good about it at all but we'll see we'll see what happens injuries happen we could click like we did last year i mean guys can get healthy i mean it's not far-fetched here uh, but it's not looking good so far. I'll go on record right here, though. I'll go on record and say that the Lakers get out of the first round. I'm going to go on record and say that. <laughs> I like that. So there you have it. Now, when we look at the rest of the scope of the league, of course, it's not just the Lakers, but um, when we're looking at, you know, the difference and when Los mentioned it, Minnesota and OKC is tied for first place. And then when you're looking at the the gap between the fourth and the first seed is two and a half games, and the Clippers are sitting at at fourth uh, currently. Uh, but when you look at that Western Conference, you see Minnesota at, at the top. You know, the first name that comes to mind to me is Anthony Edwards and what he's meant to that team and what he's allowed Cat to be. And, you know, Cat doesn't have that killer instincts or he doesn't have that competitive edge that they wanted him when they drafted him uh, when he came out of Kentucky. But in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that Anthony Edwards, his competitiveness, his leadership, his his uh, alpha male tendencies, I think that that's really what have allowed Cat to be himself 
and has resulted in Cat having a better year and contributing, just being able to play ball and not having that pressure on him. What do, what do you guys think about Cat and his new role in, in uh, AE? Yeah, I think once Cat kind of said, hey, hand over the keys to make that his team, it does take the pressure on him. And one thing that I think that we we as um, sports heads, right, a lot of times we do, especially when guys are top picks or whatever, we automatically just make them the guy, right? We automatically look at them as the guy and being that number one option. But as we've seen in history, that sometimes these guys are just not built to being the number one guy, whether that's Anthony Davis, whether that's Cole Anthony Towns. Some of them need that pressure taken off of them for them to thrive and be a number two and be a good number two. And I don't think there's nothing wrong being a, a, a good number two. But I, just looking at him as a whole, he has played well this year. He has been – and he is a, a, a great shooter. I used to be a little frustrated with a big guy shooting how he as much as he, he did from the outside. But he can actually – he's he's perfected. He's done well. He's competed in the three-point contest multiple times. He even has a win in that, in that area. So, again, you know, I'm just – I like what I see from him, and, you know, I was really shocked to see how that all come together as a team, especially with Gobert, him, and and I didn't think all those big bodies would work over there, but they're making it work, so. Yeah, and that's that's getting to kind of the point that, that I was going to share. I think it's really a combination of, you know, Ant selling in and being that alpha male, being that top dog really on the team, but also, too, Car Anthony Towns getting to play the position that he really wants to play, which is power forward. And, you know, we've seen this and not to make this another Lakers segment, but with Anthony Davis, he really prefers to be at that four slot. Uh, Car Anthony Towns is really the same. You know, he prefers to play the four and having a guy like Rudy Gobert on that team has allowed him to get back to his place of comfort. Um, and, you know, I think on the outside looking in, we always look at guys, you know, uh, of that size and we say with the way the league is now, we think that they should be centers. But those guys, they don't want to be out there setting the constant picks and screens and having to, you know, you know, defend down low and things of that sort. So I think that that's taken um, and helped Cat out as well, too, um, and allowed him to play the kind of role that he typically and really wants to play and really fits as. Yeah, I mean, um, and then I think, you know, just to toot Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, Horn again, I think that he's one of the bright young stars of the league. Um, I think he's competed for for to be the face of the league just with his personality and and his you know and his stardom. But you know Anthony Edwards, you know when I see him, man, I think that he has that you know kind of like that that refreshing early two thousands nineteen nineties mentality uh, with his approach to the game and uh, his, just his competitiveness. Um, but he he does remind me of of like a Dwayne Wade or, or you know semi Kobe, you know. I think the Michael Jordan, I think those comparisons are, are like a little bit too soon. Even the Kobe comparison, I'm willing to go D-Wade D a little bit. Uh, but I do think with his mentality and his approach and his style of play, he'll continue to get better. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know if MJ can escape the allegations, though, with the way that Ant kind of looks like him. But um, I was going <laughs> to ask y'all a question, man. So five years, you get – Either one for a five-year sample size, like starting now, you got to take Anthony Edwards or Shea Gilgis Alexander. Who are you taking? Man. Uh, Who's that? Next five years, Anthony Edwards or Shea Gilgis Alexander. 
I like Edwards just for his star power and what he does, right? He sells. He's going to – I think they both equally going to give you the same thing, right, as far as production. But as far as Edwards and making me money as a GM or an owner, I'm looking at Edwards, right, because he has the flash, the more of the dunking and the different things that people like to see and come and sell tickets. I go the other way on that one. I go Shay. Um, when I look at what he's meant to that Thunder squad and what he's done to elevate their – level of play um i think he does it i mean you got a guy that can pass it he can defend and can score it at a high level and rebound as a guard i think he's a special talent and i think that 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 game has proven to translate when you look at Jokic and what what he does for for the nuggets it's a similar style of play and i think that, that style of play leads to championships so i'm gonna go to shay i'm gonna go shay with that one so y'all got me breaking the tie on this one is what we doing here yeah, man. My question. Yeah, nah, <laughs> it was a very tough one for me, too. But I am a big, like, Shea Gilgis Alexander guy, big Shea Gilgis Alexander fan. And so if, if it went down to either one for me, I would side with uh, Shea as well for basically the same points and reasons that you shared already, Rob. Yes, sir. So we're going to uh, we're going to translate a little bit, man. We're going to we're going to translate. uh we 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 did miss the East. If you want to talk about it, I think the only story that I have there is the Bucks. Uh, you guys have been giving me a hard time since Doc Rivers has taken over the helm, and I just wanted to let you know that the Bucks are, you know, they got them a win. They got them a win. They look like they're they're getting their things together. And I want to, I want you guys to, I want you guys thoughts on that on the on the East Coast, who on the East? I'm sorry, Eastern Conference. Who you feel like uh, is is emerging there? I mean, I just feel like the team, the best team over there, Boston, man. Like, Boston has been real all year. I think um, Tatum is playing the right way. He's not chasing MVP awards. He's, you know, if he knows that he doesn't need – he's getting double teamed, he's passing, he's not forcing it. I think they have the right players. They have a deep team. And when I was looking at that team the other night, I was watching them, is they have no defensive weakness on their starting five. You can't look at their starting five and say, hey, all right, let's attack this guy tonight. Nobody on their starting five like that, whether that's Derek White, whether that's Jason Tatum, whether that's Jalen Brown, whether that's Drew Holiday, whether that's Porzingis, you know, and then Al Halford. I know he comes in and out of the starting lineup. You look at all those guys, they have no defensive weakness. So, again, I, I got those guys that making it to the finals. Yeah, same thing. I mean, it pains me to say as a Lakers fan to give the Celtics any kind of credit, but honestly, you know, as Los was already mentioning, they're the most complete team right now over there in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think that when you look at it, uh, obviously Cleveland has had a really strong season thus far as well, too. I know that they had a really, uh, not too long ago, a pretty long win streak. Uh, so there's still a team that you have to kind of consider in the mix, but Honestly, I think that when it comes down to it, you know, it'll come down to the Celtics being the team that gets out of the East. Um, I think that, you know, kind of dependent, uh, the Knicks are a little bit of a wild card. I think that the Knicks can make it interesting. Uh, of course, Julius Randle has to, you know, be healthy and get healthy, uh, fully healthy. Uh, we like what, of course, Jalen Brunson does for that team. Uh, I think that they've been, you know, really operating well since they – uh, traded for, oh, I can't think of his name right now. From uh, used to be from Toronto. Um, is it uh, 
not you're not talking about Bojan. They fight, they traded yeah, for well, you're talking about the Nick that, they trade for him. That, Alec but, Burke as well. Yeah, but the deal before that, uh yeah, oh, play for yeah, used to be on yeah, Toronto. I know what you're talking about. Uh defensive guy. Wait, in a Nobi. Uh, no, yeah, yep, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, OG, yeah, yeah. So, OG. I think that they have a pretty uh complete squad, a pretty complete, uh complete roster as well, too. So, they will be a wild card that I would have out there. But ultimately, the Celtics are the best team in the east, yeah. Celtics on another level, and you know, it's now or never. Uh, I think that they, I think the Bucks are, you know, they beat the Timberwolves the other night and then they beat the Sixers. You know, we know they, they don't have MB, but I do think the Bucks will be there. I think. That Giannis and Dame will figure it out, and Coach Doc will will figure it out. But ultimately, I think that those two teams are sitting at the top of the mountain. And like I share that same sentiment with you, Ramon. I think on on the East Coast, on the Eastern, why did I say East Coast? Eastern Conference. I, I do feel as though the Knicks are nipping at the at the helm. Like they have to get healthy, and it starts with Julius Randle. But I do like what I'm seeing out of Jalen Bronson. And the way that he's playing ball, you know, he he has found the home. And I think that Dallas was crazy for giving him up. Uh, but anyway, um, so we shift a little bit here. We got the NFL combine coming up this week. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I, I do enjoy DBs and linebackers. I watch it all. But I'm really looking forward to Saturday. And that's when the quarterbacks, the receivers, and the running backs uh, work out. Before we get into – we like as prospects i did want to ask you guys this question because we're starting to see a trend of the top quarterbacks not willing to throw at the combine for so for so odds i think it's been already been reported that Jaden's not gonna throw at the combine and also caleb williams is not throwing obviously at the combine what do you guys think about this trend i know it's been happening for years we've never really discussed it here on the podcast but i thought that i would open up the floor yeah, no, I was just say um, I, I get it from a business standpoint, especially when you're already ranked and being mocked as one of those top three picks in the draft, right? You want to be in a control situation where so much of what the quarterback does is on timing, right? It's knowing the receivers and different things, right? Um, and so they don't want to risk going out there and all they can do is hurt their stock, I feel like going out there and throwing to guys that they've never thrown with, not knowing their speed and different things. Now, from a fan standpoint, it sucks because we want to see them compete, right? But from a, their standpoint, it's always business. Just how they missed the last game, normally the bowl game, if it doesn't mean anything, is a business standpoint. And so I get it from their standpoint from making money. So, Yeah, no, that was exactly what I was going to say as well, too. I was going to allude to the bowl game example, too. So uh really kind of the same thought process i really don't see ultimately the value from their end and their side when you know that you're going to be one of the top quarterbacks taking you're going to be likely a top three top five pick i think that you only make that move when you're a guy like let's just say last year in anthony richardson that really had something to gain and to benefit from it that knew if he went out there and put on a show that he would potentially put himself in that conversation for the top pick um, but I believe that that's the only reason why you do it. If you don't have that, op if you, you know, are not in that space where you're looking to improve the stock, I don't think there's any point for you to do that. Yeah, I mean, I see that. I do see the player side on that. You're throwing the guys that you don't know, uh, and you do have the benefit of your pro day, which all these guys are probably throw where you can, where you can control the outside of it as a GM, as an owner, as a as a talent evaluator. I hate it because I really want to see 
what you can do with a guy that you haven't met or a guy that you haven't practiced with uh, to throw to. Um, but I get it on the player side. There is no benefit of it. Um, at, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Because it's all gambling. You don't know what they're going to be until they play. Uh, but, yeah. Right. And that was going to be kind of the question that I posed. I mean, I know that we we like it from a competitive standpoint and we like to see these kind of things. But ultimately, when it gets down to it, you know, are they really going to be faced with those kind of conditions when they're your starting quarterback for your team? Like, they're going to know their teammates. They're going to know how to operate with them and flow with them. Like, it's, you know, kind of not to me totally a thing that really translates to what they're going to do for your franchise. I much would rather dissect their film and what they did, you know, at the college level and then maybe see them at a pro day or something of that sort. But to me, the game speaks more than you coming into this kind of scenario where you could just have a, a really good day and be a freakish athlete and then, you know, kind of maybe fool or bamboozle kind of the GM. So. Like Anthony Richardson did this past season. <laughs> if looks could kill. <laughs> I was just going to stay on mute on that one. but <laughs> All right, man. man. So but... let's get into meat, meat and potatoes of this thing, man. Who are y'all favorite prospects coming into this uh, combine? Uh, yeah, when I look at it, man, I just look at um, – I look at um, the receiver position, man. I look at how – how how you literally have three of your top legit number one wide receivers in this draft. And so whether that's Malik Neighbors, whether that's Marvin Harrison Jr., whether that's Roman Duzier from Washington, right? And you got those three guys, right? You got three guys that legit or wide receiver ones on their team. So um, those are my favorite prospects. I'm interested to see where those guys land. They all projected right now to go within the top seven to eight picks. Um, and I think somebody's getting a steal, right? We couldn't wait as LSU fans, all three of us. We didn't know what we had in neighbors until he really got a chance to be the guy, right? When Butte got out of there, um, yeah, he became the number one guy going forward. He he showed that he's explosive, right? He 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 gives you really um signs of like a Jamar Chase, just how explosive he is, right? Not maybe the tallest guy. He's only six foot, six and a half foot, 205, right? Looking at that, he's not the biggest guy, but he's explosive. He can play the inside and the outside. So, and he's very twitchy. So, when you look at that type of guy, you want to get that type of player on your team. And right now, he's projected anywhere from going to um, the Chargers, anywhere to the Cardinals, um, anywhere in that top 10 where I'm just interested to see where he lands. Yeah, the Giants have been thrown out as well, too, as a potential option. Um, like you said, really, honestly, that's really the most intriguing position in this draft. Like the wide receiver position is extremely deep. You know, even when you go past uh, those guys and you think of guys like Brian Thomas Jr. or you think about guys like Troy Franklin coming out of Oregon, um, this this wide receiver crop or this wide receiver uh, group is one going to be one of the best that we've seen like in recent times as it relates to the draft. Like I wouldn't be shocked to see. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see about six of these guys go in the first round, honestly. Six guys from a wide receiver position going in the first round wouldn't shock me at this point because we know we have three automatic. I believe that you throw Brian Thomas Jr. in there. Um, You got guys, even two, like a, a guy that's a sleeper that's this is not a first rounder, but a guy that's 
will be someone that you can even grab later, even a guy like a lad McConkey that came out of Georgia that is is slept on uh big time. So uh like you said, man, that's that's ultimately kind of the the main position, you know, to really look at. You do have, you know, some of your guys from an edge perspective to maybe kind of look at um in Jared Burst, seeing what he may do. I think that he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be interesting. Um and then also to uh Robinson out of Penn State from an edge perspective is somebody to monitor as well too. Um, but just right quickly too, as you were talking about Malik neighbors and talking about uh, talking about Marvin Harrison jr. And Roma Dunze and guys of that sort. Um, I know that we've been hearing it kind of float a little bit more that, that, you know, Marv might not be planted as that number one wide receiver and that Malik might be able to overtake him. So I'm going to ask the question, do you feel that that is just kind of like just kind of talk to kind of, you know, how that pre-draft talk goes to kind of throw people off and, you know, change kind of stock of guys and just things of that sort? Or do you think it's really legs to it that Marv might not be the number one wide receiver off the board? I think, I think bro. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, my bad. ABC. <laughs> no, I, I think that, you know, I think that Marvin is, is the clear cut. I, I do think that, I know I get it. What happened with the uh, the wide receiver of the year award of college, and I, I do look at the numbers and see what Malik did as opposed to Marvin Harrison. Uh, but when you look at Marvin Harrison and his measurables and um, how I anticipate him to perform in the combine, um, I think that it'll, it'll shed more light as, as to why these guys, why you have to take him over Malik Neighbors. Now, with that being said, I do not think that that's a that's a knock on Malik Neighbors. I think special is special, and I think that there are tiers. And I just think Marvin may be just on a tier above a, a tier above Malik. I think um just just right quick, I think they said Marv might not be participating, right? Isn't he one of the guys that they're saying that might not be participating in the combine? He's not. Yeah, yeah. he's not participating in the combine. I think he's gonna show up and do what he needs to do, but he's not doing a run. I don't think he's even they said he's going without an agent as well. Yeah. And I don't even think he's gonna run at his um pro day as well. So he's pretty much in that situation where he's set, right? I think Malik Neighbors is going to participate in the com I mean not oh, participate. Okay. Participate in his pro day, but not at the combine as well. Well, that, so. well, that changes things for me. I, I could just delete the last thing I just said. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But when so I, that, I mean, that, in that case, I think Malik can overtake him there because it's recency bias. Right, right. And I, and I think there is some GMs, and I think there are some scouts out there when they look at him, probably do have Malik Neighbors as a better prospect, right? But a lot of those guys are probably won't have the opportunity to even draft neither one of those guys or their teams won't have a chance to draft one of those guys. I think a lot of times when you look at the draft, you look at a situation where you look at production, you look at the player, but you also look at a profile. You look at what can this guy be long term for me? Who's going to be better for me in five years? Right. So Malik Neighbors, to me, is the better player right now. Just polish wise, mm -hmm. just numbers wise. He's the better player for me. But when I look five years from now. I feel like um, Marvin Harrison Jr. can be special. He can be one of those Calvin Johnsons. He can be one of those A.J. Greens in his primes. He can be one of those household names that continues to be great. And then I look at somebody like Malik Neighbors, and he's getting this comparison a lot. And I look uh somebody like Stephon Diggs, a good player, right? You know, has made pro bowls, a special player, but 
you will look if you look at somebody like Stefan Diggs compared to a Megatron or something, you know, you would clearly say Megatron was the better player. And so that's kind of how I look at those two. But I can see how somebody can say right now that Malik Neighbors is better. And then when you look at more of it, too, I think it's two prospects in this draft where it was cemented for so long that they would go top. And that's Caleb Williams, obviously, at number one. And then you got Marvin Harrison, who GMs were saying last year that he's like a Lamborghini that you can't buy right now. Uh, so he's thought of highly of as a prospect. And I think just as a talent and, like you said, as a profile, I think that ultimately he's awarded himself, he's afforded himself to where if he doesn't participate, then it won't hurt him, like you guys said. And I think that he got, he made he's making the right decision uh, because he has all the leverage here. Now, one thing that I, I you know, just kind of carry on with, with the question I proposed from the beginning, for me, I'm interested in the drama of draft day. And I think that I would stop at the quarterback class. I know that it's cliche and everybody loves the quarterback. Uh, but when you look at what the Chicago Bears could potentially do with this number one pick, are they going to trade it away or are they going to trade it away? and put all their uh, eggs in one basket with Justin Fields, or will they move Justin Fields? Like we heard uh, Mr. Pace GM said that he will, they would ultimately uh, trade Justin before free agency. Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, Caleb, you know, Jaden, where's he going to go? Um, Drake May, I'm not convinced with, with him as a prospect yet. Can he convince me? And then you have, you know, McCarthy out of Michigan, who I'm no one I don't think on this podcast is impressed with. Um, but you do have some names in there. And I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what this quarterback class is going to look like outside of Caleb. And I think that, you know, it's it also it always starts. It's going to start with Chicago and what they decide to do with that first pick. Yeah, so I'll touch on that a little bit. I was doing some reading this weekend on the quarterback position for this draft, and they said that this is probably one of the, a historical class in the sense that you're getting maybe six to ten starters out of this class, um, and you you know, and that's leaving room for the shocker quarterback to come out of nowhere, the Brock Purdy's, um, because and they say you get that maybe once every decade, right? When you look at the quarterbacks. In this, like you mentioned, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, of course, those guys are going to be starters at some point for their teams. They're going to go first round. But you also look at Bo Nix, you look at J.J. McCarthy. These guys are going to get a shot at being a starter at some point. Then you go down further at Michael Pence, Penix, and then you look at Spencer Rattler and then Jordan Travis. You know, you again, and then a lot of people are high on Michael Pratt from Tulane as well. You look at this class, right? These guys at some point are going to be starters for their team, right? Whether that's not in the first year or the second year, these guys are going to have a chance to be starters. So, again, I'm uh, this class is interesting. It's going to be a lot of first-round guys. And then, you know, I will say maybe four quarterbacks are going to go first round. And then from that point, you can possibly get five, you know, depending if they want to get that fifth-year option at the end of the, the, the round like they did Lamar Jackson. But and then second round, you can have a run on quarterbacks as well. J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penning, Spencer Rattler, who was the senior bowl um, MVP. So he's making noise, too, as well. And people are comparing him to Jalen Hurts. So it'll be fun to watch and see how this class unfolds. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of movement it's going to create. Like, I think that you're going to see, you know, a team or two definitely trade up to kind of go get their guy at the QB position. You know, I really look at a team like the Minnesota Vikings as a team that's primed to me to go and trade up and get one of those guys. 
imagine coming in and bringing a Jaden Daniels into that situation or coming in and bringing a Drake May into that situation um, and what they can do for that franchise, especially being on that rookie deal with all they already have surrounding them. So I think that that part is going to be intriguing. And then, like you were saying, kind of to get back to your point, even as it relates to Chicago, you know, honestly, if I were sitting there and, and maybe I believe in Justin Fields a little bit more than everybody else does, I don't think that the gap between Caleb Williams and Justin Fields is monumental enough to move Justin Fields at this point and take Caleb Williams. I would get the most that I could either from an asset standpoint to help to continue to build around the guy that I already have there than to try to start this over again and hope that Caleb Williams is the guy. Yeah, I think I'm on the opposite end of that, right? I'm in a, as a GM, right? And I'm thinking money. I'm thinking the situation. I'm thinking about, you know, Justin Fields having his chance, right? And so I'm on the opposite end of that. I'm looking at if I can get a cheaper contract coming in with, right? Justin Fields was also a top pick with Caleb Williams coming in. You know, we always talk about these teams building around while the quarterback is on that manageable um, rookie contract. So I'm taking Caleb Williams. I'm getting, I'm trading um, Justin Fields. It's a tough decision, but I feel like it's the best decision to kind of reset that clock, especially with a new coach coaching system over there and everything over there, bring my guy in, you know, just thinking long-term of how these coaches normally think. I want to bring my guy in. I want to start fresh, right? A lot of times these coaches are attached to the quarterback, the quarterback fail, the coach normally fails and get fired too. We see that too often. So I'm on the opposite end. I'm the GM. I'm thinking about getting rid of Fields. I'm taking in Caleb Williams, and then I'm I'm rocking from there. Yeah, I like those two. Both of those two points. I think both of them would would suit the Chicago well. I think it points to the point where they hold the eggs. They hold the cards in the league. Um, phenomenal job of, of getting that top pick, and here they got two of the top three picks in the league. So. I just say this, whatever they decide to do, uh, it would it would be damn hard to screw this up. So we'll see what they do. Um, but, guys, I think we did it again, man. I think, you know, we wrapped up another one. Uh, for future episodes, just stay tuned. Once this combine goes, we'll definitely have an episode recapping what we saw, what prospects we like. Um, hopefully we do that right af after our dynasty draft. Uh, but we'll have that information for your dynasty draft. But I was, I think I was set up right. I think I set it up for like the end of the draft, right? I think it, what is like next week, huh? No, man, no, it's not until yeah. like May. I think it's, I should have moved it up, man. May. I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't know. That. No, the draft. No. Oh, after the, the pro day, April. right? Oh yeah, no, yeah. Draft. You have to, okay. have, you have to have draft it after the NFL draft. draft. What am I thinking? You on a whole different calendar? Yeah, I'm on almost some different time right now. Uh, I'm trying to get get vacation shaken off of me right quick. You know what I mean? But, yeah, after the draft is our draft. So we can safely give our evaluations of the, the combine coming up this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Um, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all of your uh, platforms that you like to see your podcast. It does well for our numbers. Uh, it does well for us to continue doing what we do right now because we're doing it for free right now. But if you continue to support us and show love – that's how we can turn this thing into, you know, maybe making a little, making a little money, you know, won't hurt anybody. Uh, we appreciate the love and support from everybody. And until next time, we out of there. Later.